0: Before we crack on, I've got a question for you. If you're buying something online, do you check the reviews? Of course you do. We all do. But what if the reviews are fake? Well, that's exactly what happened to Toma Tagrin when he bought a camera based on shoddy reviews. He got stitched up with a bad product so decided to do something about it, launching Yotpo. Yotpo makes it easy to get verified reviews from your customers and then display them on your e-commerce site and across your marketing. This is important because 10 reviews can uplift conversion by 53%, but 100 reviews, well, that can more than double conversion. It's big numbers. Yotpo helps customers trust you enough to buy from you, and it's even more valuable you keep those customers coming back, which is why they also have loyalty and SMS features to help your retention. So, if you're in e-commerce and want more revenue, check out Yotpo.com secret. That's Yotpo.com secret. Now, on the show.
1: Probably a month into that time, I, I knew the business was going to just completely fold. But I kept grinding on, knowing sort of every single time that it just wasn't wasn't really going anywhere. And when I was pitching it, trying to be effusive to friends and family and people I met, each time the pitch just got a bit flatter and a little bit more labored. And then the, the killer questions of when is it launching? And I just wouldn't have an answer.
0: That's Charles Harrison talking about the first startup he founded, which ground to a painful halt before it had really begun. From Secret Leaders, I'm Dan Murray Serta, and this is our bite-sized series dedicated to failure. Failure is far more common and interesting than success. You learn so much more from it. I know I have, and I failed a bunch of times, but it's hardly ever talked about. We want to change that with the help of founders like Giles who are sharing their toughest moments and what they've taken from them. Giles today is the co-founder of Sculpt, a fast-growing startup which delivers pottery-making kits direct to consumers. But this isn't his first rodeo. Back in 2015, he was working on something else.
1: It actually all started when I was leaving university and had a bit of an identity crisis um, because I'd been reading mechanical engineering for four years, and there's an expectation in myself and in others that that's the path that I would take. But I'd always enjoyed running businesses, and I'd sort of I was the typical person running around the playground trying to sell sweets to people for a markup from the tuck shop. And so towards the end of my um, university time, I decided actually that's the, the path that I want to pursue and applied for something called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which is a, a year long program for entrepreneurs when you you join an existing business and learn the skills required to launch your own at some point in the future. And I remember in, in my interview process, It was quite strange because I was telling the founder who I was interviewing with, I actually plan to leave your business quite soon because I want to start my own business. And I was redacting lots of lines from the job contract that said, you know, all of the IP that you create is ours and things like that, and you can't be a director of another business. And I got sort of wrapped up into this idea that I was going to become an entrepreneur myself pretty soon afterwards and just had no idea about the demands of, of working the job and also trying to launch a business. And quite soon after that, I joined that company, which is called Mention Me, which is a marketing um, software as a service business. I had this idea to bring a consumer matcha green tea business um, to market the basic premise was that we would market it or position it as an alternative to coffee for busy millennials who would perhaps not enjoy the caffeine buzz that you get from coffee but still like a sort of a a pick-me-up and something that perhaps more uh, better aligns with their healthy living choices and so I started that process and what I realized very early on is that i wrapped a lot of my identity up into this fledgling business i would talk about it a lot i'd pitch it to people i'd get their reaction and use that as inputs to my um the business development and very quickly on i really realized that i was doing a lot more of that than actually the hardest things at the time which were actually developing the product and so I found myself quite good at making fancy pitch decks, and I pitched it to a a panel at the New Entrepreneurs Foundation Awards and and, and won a grant. I was good at building a website and making the proposition look appealing for someone scrolling through Instagram. And I was all the time ignoring the fact that the product wasn't ready. The product wasn't tested. We had no packaging and we had no firm supplier. I was trying to do all these things um, myself and i think in hindsight really realized that what i'm good at and really what i'm what i'm not very good at and we got to this position where we had just won this grant funding there was an expectation that i'd probably be leaving my job quite soon again because i'd been talking about it a lot i was very proud of the achievements and still not really any product the i'd completely misunderstood the amount of time it would take to develop a physical product perhaps because I was sort of in a naive software world where you can build and ship products overnight and there's, there's no scalability constraints and things like that. And I perhaps naively was assuming that farming green tea in, a, in the other side of the world would be the same for some reason. I ended up dropping everything and trying to then develop the product. And very quickly, it became apparent that this had gone on for so long and the amount of investment required to get a physical product off the ground was too high. And I'd actually... Just completely lost interest in the business in that time because my motivations and interests are really at its greatest when there was a lot of progress and i could see things progressing and when it slowly ground to a halt i really struggled i struggled to keep developing the product knowing that a conversation with a supplier won't have a follow up for about a month because that's the sort of the cycle time for developing these things. And I was also working in my job and trying to perform there as best I could because I also was interested in that in that domain. And eventually got to a point where I could either put in £25,000 of money, which I I didn't have at the time and I'd need to go and find in order to get the V1 products up and running. And that would take six months or just decide to kill the business. At that point, I decided actually it would be best for me to go back to the drawing board, acknowledge that the sunk effort is lost, and then hopefully be able to drink the three-year supply of match green tea that I'd accumulated through um, all of this time. There, there are a lot of kind of emotions tied up in, in that process, and one of the hardest ones for me was actually that I'd tied up so much of my emotion and identity in this business, and yet there was nothing. It just disappeared.
0: When you founded a startup, everyone in your circle knows about it and asks about it. On one level, it's nice that they're interested, but it can be tough to talk about when things don't work out. That's certainly how I felt, you know, embarrassed and ashamed. So how did Giles tackle that? Where did he start?
1: So I think the first one was um, to friends and acknowledging the failure and saying up front, I've, I've stopped this. And closer friends are, are probably a bit more comfortable with asking me more pointed questions about why. And in all honesty, in the in the first couple of you know, early days, I made all sorts of excuses about why it didn't why it didn't happen, and none were related to probably my own skill set or way in which I approached it, and, and more about supply chain problems and just not never going to work. And professionally, actually, my my CEO at the time, and I've I've sort of learned a lot from him. He was always very supportive about this, and I, I at the time I thought. Why are you so excited about me starting a business and leaving yours? Um, but he was always very supportive and would give me advice if I asked for it. I think he sort of watched this whole process unfold and it was just very understanding at the end and said, what have you learned from this? What would you have done differently? And then sort of talked it through with me. And I think he had also had a failed um, startup before the one that I was working with. And I think perhaps some of the emotions that I was going through resonated with him and he was sort of able to kind of talk that through with me, I was actually a bit scared that, you know, this would reflect really badly on me and I would perhaps lose credibility in the business and, you know, not be able to rise through the business as quickly as I wanted to because I'd been on this sort of sidetracked and distracted. But that, that just wasn't the case. And so that that was a big
0: nervousness of mine that just never, never really um, materialized. So Giles shut the matcha business and later began working on his current company, Sculpt. They say failure is the best teacher, though. So what did he learn from all of this? So number one,
1: this is talked about a lot, but um, being a solo founder is really hard because you're unlikely to have all the skills that you require to get a business off the ground. Also realise that I I work best with other people. I find the energy of other people that helps me drive along and I I get my most creative and most engaged with, with other people. And so the number one thing was when I started this business, I knew that I needed to have co-founders with me to start the business and also not just to not people that were interested in the business as a concept but people that were well-matched in both skill set and also attitude or, you know working styles and that's been a really big big difference in terms of my position here and how I go about my work the other thing is coming from a match green tea business into a clay business I've got now a understanding of where the what the critical path is for Actually, building the business and going from, I've got this great idea to, I've now got revenue and I think that I've you know I'm on my way to getting product market fit. As I mentioned earlier, I I kind of went about it completely the wrong way. I built a I built a shiny website and a pitch deck and hadn't validated any any customer demand because I had no product really, and. When we started Sculpt, we went about it almost opposite. We spent our first few days understanding what was the product we could bring to market that would satisfy the demand that we thought our customers had. And we got that together, and then we built the website, and then we built the Instagram account, and then we went from there. What that allowed us to do was very quickly flush out issues in in supply. It meant that when we did start getting orders, we had a pathway to scaling that up much faster rather than selling product that didn't exist or we had a limited supply of and then not being able to grow from that point. So I'd say it was, it was very much product focused at the beginning, making it lovable and building from there rather than building a website you think is lovable and not having a product to satisfy that.
0: As we often hear, failure is not permanent. But what would Giles say to you if you'd just gone through a big failure? My advice would be to
1: try and get some perspective. And it's obviously very difficult when you've been so close to something for so long and you, your thoughts have been consumed by it and it is, in many ways, becomes your identity. Take some perspective and try to distance yourself from, from those emotions and the business as an object or whatever the failure is as an object and understand that failure is actually a um, it's a necessity. It is required in order to succeed. If things don't fail, then you're probably not moving fast enough or you're not trying hard enough. And everything that you do in that process will be a learning in some respect. And so in the immediate aftermath of a failure, don't sort of beat yourself up and know that in time, you'll look back on everything that you've done and you'll learn something from it that will help you in the future.
0: It just goes to show how phenomenal an operator Mark Zuckerberg must be, huh? Like, first time founder and just look at the scale he's taken meta to, whatever your moral views about him. Now, Giles has gone on to success himself, and that's the point. If you start a company, you either win or fail and learn a bunch of things that help you win in the future. So, really, you're winning anyway. You've been listening to our Bite Size series dedicated to failure. We'll be back next week with another deep dive into someone's worst career moment. If you like what you heard, please follow us in your podcast app and share the episode with someone who needs to hear it. See you next week.